Welcome to the Lipedema podcast hosted by Shell and Tiana. Our aim is to make noise around lipedema and educate as many people as we can about this disease. Our guest list contains professionals who work in the field and women who live with lipedema. Thank you for joining us. Jenny, aka the Food Freedom Fairy, empowers cereal dieters and emotional eaters to break free from the dieting cycle and find peace with food and most importantly with themselves. Like many, Jenny struggled with food and weight from an early age. She picked up unhelpful messages about food being good and bad, which led to secret eating and shame and guilt around food. In 2004, Jenny started to repair her relationship with food and lost over 40 kilos. Elated at her transformation, Jenny left her career in theatre to work in the dieting industry. Years later, she noticed many clients were repeating the cycle and never maintaining their weight loss. What's more, she was still stuck in the cycle herself, just on a smaller scale. Jenny knew she had to do better for her clients and herself. So she left the dieting industry and set up her coaching practice. In 2020, Jenny released the Power Over Food podcast and founded the Becoming You Academy. The Academy teaches women how to nourish their minds, body and soul and enjoy cake without guilt. Most importantly, how to love yourself and be unapologetically you. Jenny is a certified and accredited health and life coach trained in CBT, Cognitive Behaviour Therapy, and Energy Healing Modalities, the Helix Method, and Theta Healing. You can connect with Jenny and access her freebies all on social media or her website. Welcome back to the Life of Dima podcast. We are your hosts, Shell and Tiana, and tonight we are joined by our special guest, Jenny. Welcome, Jenny. Thank you so much for joining us. Thank you. Thank you for having me. I'm so excited to be here. Well, we're going to start off, Jenny. How did you come to hear of lipedema? Ah, oh, okay. So my journey goes back quite a while. Um, I found out I had lipedema in 2006. So uh, as the journey goes, I was, um, I really struggled with my relationship with food and was very overweight as a child. Um, and then obviously hit puberty and uh, my legs changed shape, but I thought it was my weight and struggled, struggled, struggled until I was 26. When I lost a considerable amount of weight at 26, my legs didn't change shape. I started going to see surgeons looking for a thigh lift and I just thought, I, you know, I've done this to my body. It's, you know, it's because I have a difficult relationship with food. And the two, the first two surgeons told me to go away and lose more weight. And the third surgeon, thankfully, diagnosed lipedema and explained. And then my whole life made sense. <laughs> like all those puzzle pieces just come together, isn't it? Yes. Yeah. It's crazy. So you hadn't, so up until that point, you just thought it was because of your own, like your weight fluctuations, like you didn't have pain in your legs, like any of the other symptoms that, that we suffer with. I noticed that I bruised easily, um, but I didn't thankfully suffer with pain. I noticed that, that I might 
have you know I notice it more with now I've got children but when a child leans on you like to read a book or you know and they push down on you and I'm like and my other half is always like that's a bit of an overreaction isn't it and I'm like no that like really really hurt so I I and I don't know if that's only come in later life or um, gosh I sound really old later life but you know <laughs> you know what I mean um, but I don't know if that's only come since uh, having children or because I didn't notice it before because I didn't really have people leaning on my legs <laughs> but yeah I didn't experience the pain like I know a lot of our fellow lipedema ladies do yeah yeah so you found out before you had children I did yes okay. Okay. And did you notice any progression during pregnancy? Yes. Yeah. So it's funny because I was reflecting on this this morning um, and I noticed because I did have uh, surgery on my legs and my arms before, uh, way before pregnancy, but I noticed that my arms considerably grew, but I would say it was after pregnancy and I'm wondering if it was when I went back on the pill because obviously the hormones um, are changing and you're putting the hormones into your body because I was looking at photos and thinking actually I thought it, it grew during pregnancy but now I'm starting to think it was after pregnancy um, when I look at pictures I don't think I was paying so much attention to my body and I don't think I was within this lipedema community as I am now. Um, so you're, you know, you you kind of going along your own path and thinking, okay, well, I've got this and I'll just deal with it. And now I think I'm so much more aware because I, I'm constantly listening to other stories and going, oh, okay, that, yeah, and joining the dots more now. When I was diagnosed back in 2005, literally, I never knew another soul that had lipedema. And whilst there was a Facebook group, it was not not that active compared to now it's amazing how things have changed like tiana and i were both only diagnosed in november last year so it's been yeah for us coming into it at this point like like we were still unaware until we were diagnosed so there's but there is that larger community now than what there used to be yeah yeah Thank goodness for social media, hey? <laughs> yeah, that's right. And think, like, that was only the early stages of social media too, like when you were diagnosed. So that would have been really isolating for you to have this condition and not be able to build that support network. Like, yeah, like we have been able to. Yeah. Yeah, it was. I'm working with ladies all the time now that are just being diagnosed over the last year or so. And, you know, so a lady in her 60s and she was only diagnosed two years ago. And you just think, wow, like all of those years spent trying to change her body shape and not having, you know, knowing there was something different, but not knowing if that makes sense. Yeah, not being able to pinpoint exactly what was going on and not knowing how to conservatively manage what yeah. she had, you know, what they have. Okay, so our community, speaking of our community, it's jam-packed with stories of disordered eating and yo-yo dieting with little success. So personally, um, with lipedema, I'm constantly fighting against progression. Um, what is your professional approach to lipedema patients? Sure, so um, first of all, I'm a big believer in healing your relationship with food your relationship with yourself and your body so I never start with giving people diets 
I think that by the time women reach me, they have spent their life dieting, following someone else's rules, someone else's plan. So to me, it's all about creating a relationship with food and with yourself that you absolutely love. And then you can mold the way you want to eat to whatever suits you. So with you know the healing the relationship with food there's lots of different uh, activities I take my ladies through but you know most importantly just and and the listeners can do this you know just close your eyes for a moment and just find that part of you that likes to you know rely on food that uses food for reasons other than physical hunger that tells herself she's addicted to the sweet stuff or, or whatever it is that your is your go-to and connect with that part of her and start thanking her because she's done a great job up until now of looking after you she has used all of the tools and the methods she knows how to keep safe and if that means that she's tried to stop you avoiding feeling pain because she has um you know she's she's learned that food will make you feel better that food will soothe you then that is you know that is something to be really grateful for and I just think that if we thank her for a start and then we kind of understand her because we've probably spent years telling her no you're not eating that I can't eat that no we shouldn't maybe we should you know and arguing with that voice in your head when you you begin to understand that voice in your head and you have compassion for her then you can build on that so rather than no we're not having this it's like okay well why do you want that right now let's just explore how do we think that's going to make us feel what or what feeling are we searching for you know when I'm looking at nine o'clock at night for a bar of chocolate I'm searching for something else it's not physical hunger unless I you know skipped my evening meal I'm searching for something so it's like actually what am I searching for right now am I worried about something that's going to happen tomorrow am I lonely am I upset am I worrying about something that's gone on for the day has it been a stressful day is is it you know one of my you know whatever so I think it is about healing that relationship with yourself and then it's something I do with my clients is creating their own food framework so I empower them to work out how they want to spend their life eating. And obviously for my uh, ladies with lipedema, we know all of the, you know, the the guidance, if you like, I don't like, like to use rules, but the guidance around eating anti-inflammatory and whether it's low carb or keto and, and different ways of eating. But it's also about finding what works for you because you see it on the lipedema sites where people are like, can everyone tell me what they're eating? And, you know, people are posting, well, I've been eating this way for three weeks and I've lost this much weight and I've done this and I've done that. And it's like, that's brilliant and it's really helpful, but it's also not because what we then do is compare ourselves to the person that's doing that. And then it's like, well, I didn't lose that weight or my leg legs haven't changed as much as her legs and so it really is you know create your own food framework the the way you want to eat include foods that do bring you pleasure that you you know are your go-to foods and make sure that you're going to eat those at a time you're going to really really enjoy them as opposed to oh you know I need something to get me through the day I'm going to eat all of that and not really taste it not really enjoy it and then feel rubbish about it afterwards Sorry, that was a bit of a long answer. <laughs> <laughs>
No, it was great. And you actually really um, delved into my next question. So I have to flip the script a little bit um, <laughs> quickly. And sort of, I just wanted to tell you um, about my own personal experience just for a little bit. Um, I am on a journey of, and when I talk about food freedom, and I'm not sure if you have the same approach, but at the moment, my food freedom looks like nothing is off the table. Nothing's a bad food. If I want to have that biscuit, I can have that biscuit. And what I'm finding now is it's less mindless eating and binge eating and more, oh, I really love this biscuit. I'm going to sit here and savour it. Um, but it's taken its time from that restricting and binging to that, well, this is a nice experience that I'm enjoying and savouring. Um, do you find your clients um, take a long time is there a, a certain structure in the amount of time do you see any trends about how long they sort of have to go through this process to find a little bit of freedom and enjoyment in what they're eating instead of mindlessly eating well that's such a great question and I suppose the answer is is unknown because we are all different and we are all unique but something I will say is I think we go through stages where we are at peace with food and we're like, I've got this, I've got it. Yeah. Um, you know, I'm, I'm what I call being in flow and everything is going really, really well. And then something will hit us and we will be like, what am I doing? Why am I eating like this again? And I think it's having that compassion and kindness with yourself at all stages of your life. And whether that is once a month with your menstrual cycle or whether it is when you go on holiday at Christmas and things like that. Because, I mean, when I think about I started my journey with food and I had um uh, CBT cognitive behavior therapy around my relationship with food back starting in November 2004 for six months while I was on my weight loss journey and whilst I did a huge amount of work on myself we're now almost 20 years later and I still overeat I still eat things and think I didn't need to do that that was not a great choice for my body but it's you know I always say sometimes I've I regret eating something, but I never feel guilty. Never, ever do I feel guilty. I never berate myself. I never go, Jenny, what do you do that for? You're so stupid. Look at you. You're here again. No, it's like, yeah, I could have made different choices on holiday. And how many times will I go to exactly the same place in Lanzarote, which is a little Spanish island, and go there with the intention of I'm not going to eat their delicious bread. I'm not going to drink their delicious cocktails. And how many times will I get three days into the holiday and do exactly that? And then, you know, spend the rest of the week or two weeks eating and think, mm, you know, but it's just like, do you know what? It's these habits are there and I also want to enjoy my life and as you said I know no food is off limits to me if I want it it is there for the taking um and I want to enjoy my life and I want to you know go out sometimes and just not have to think do I really need that you know should I be eating that it's just like food is food and food is there also for pleasure and we're programmed to eat it so it's just working around that. <laughs> yeah. And I love that you mentioned them not being guilty. We've spoken about that before and how 
the guilt we have around food is actually inflammatory. Like it's causing stress to us. So if we just enjoy the food that we want to taste and savor, especially like you say in Spain or wherever we are in the world, we're going on this magical holiday. You don't want to like not try the gelato. Like gelato is my thing. I want to go to Italy somewhere and try gelato. So that is my thing. So I'm not going to say, oh, no, I shouldn't have dairy because it does this. Like, that's not life. Like, there's got to be an element of life living and tasting it. Uh, it. Yes, we can't just be trapped in these rules. And as you were saying before, also, with within these groups, there are so many people sharing their tips and sharing their tricks. And for me, that got confusing because I was at a place before my lipedema um, diagnosis, I'd been working with a trainer who was all about just make sure you eat high protein. I didn't have to conform to any other rules, but high protein. And I went to Sydney for a week away and there was this huge big coffee bar and they had all these beautiful hot chocolates and biscuits. And I went down there and got a peppermint tea. And I went back to my room and I said to my husband, who am I? Like, <laughs> I just had all of this on offer and I've chosen the peppermint tea. And he's like, because you wanted it? And I'm like, <laughs> because I'd been in this life where I'm on holidays, get it all in there. And here I was like, just this beautiful hot peppermint tea on a winter's night. And it was it was freeing. It was liberating. It was amazing. But now I've jumped in this lipedema world and I'm just confused again. Like, yeah. So it is very confusing and very noisy. And like you said, it, one size doesn't fit all. Everyone's lipedema journey is different. And so is their nutrition needs. So, yeah, totally. And I think, the more you can remember it, it really helps because I think there are, you know, it can be like, well, if you just don't eat that, you, you know, people that are maybe not struggling so much with their relationship with food, they are very black and white. It's like, oh, well, I've done keto for 15 years and I, you know, I never eat this and I, I admire them. That is brilliant for them, but it's also not for everybody. Um, and I think we're all at different levels, not only with our lipedema, but with our relationship with food and with ourselves. And it's just being, again, compassionate with ourselves and compassionate with everybody else that you meet within the lipedema world. We're all on our own journey, aren't we? Yeah, absolutely. We, yeah, and walking a very different path. We've got this common thread, but it is all so different to all of us. So I wanted to ask, like, there seems to be more awareness in the UK and the USA. And how can we in Australia do more to spread awareness within our medical community? Oh, wow. That's a great question. Well, I know something that is done here in the UK is Lipidema UK um, have a, uh, a kind of a pack, if you like, an information pack that they will send out to um, anyone that requests it. So when you join Lipidema UK, you can request an information pack for your GP and it's specifically written in medical terms, if you like. So I remember having one of those for my GP. Fortunately, when I went my GP, because well, I changed GPs uh, a couple of years ago, but they they were already up on, on the um the condition 
but I think that's really really helpful because I know again lots of ladies that I've worked with have said oh I'm, I'm at a dead end my GPs won't listen to me they say I just need to lose weight and so on so I think if there if there is any way that can happen um or if it it may already happen I know you have got have you got an Australian charity because I feel like I was googling the other day to pop it in the back of my book for references for different countries and I did come across one in Australia is that correct yeah, we do have Lipedema Australia and they're doing a great job, not only for advocacy, but, um, you know, checking out the research and they are developing a pack, not only for um, our GPs, and I think they already have something in place there, but um, also trying to do something with Medicare to see if they can get Lipedema covered in some way. But those processes are arduous and, and um, challenging, so that will take a number of years, I think. Yeah, I think it's about trying to get a couple of GPs on board that are really up for spreading the word and also well connected. Uh, years and years ago, this is to do with my, um, you know, my own business, but I did a, a talk for about 100 GPs here in the UK on your relationship with food and why, you know, how I worked with people. So they obviously hold these, you know, these, and this was just kind of in my local um, city. It was only local doctors, but they obviously hold these events once a month where they all get together and do some CPD and have speakers. So I think anything like that, if you can get in front of a lot of, at one time, and then obviously they're telling other people that can be helpful too. Yeah, um, that's that's fantastic advice. And it would be so nice to tap into those, um, trying to get the insider scoop, if you will, about when and where those take place. Um, yeah. I hope we get yeah. there. I'm going to flip back to your offerings um, with food freedom. Um, so when we're talking about the noise that uh, Cheryl was talking about around our culture in the lipedema community and cutting out full food groups like carbohydrates that that seems to be the only way to quote unquote starve off the lipedema uh, progression how do you how do we find and how do you work with your clients to find that balance between knowing what we should do for our condition but what we can do for the rest of our body, for our mind, for our psychology, for our comfort, for our love of food. How do we find that, that middle ground? I think something that's important is um, having a little bit more knowledge about food. And I always say I am not a nutritionist. I'm a, I'm a certified and accredited health and life coach but I'm not a nutritionist. So there might be other people best placed to talk about the food, but just something simple, like with my clients is I help them understand that the blood sugar roller coaster and what's going on in their body from day to day, depending on what foods they're eating. And also appreciating that there are carbohydrates in foods that we probably don't associate with carbohydrates and we just think of pasta bread rice potatoes and think sometimes we're thinking oh we're eliminating these foods but we're not really eliminating carbohydrates to unless obviously you are on an extreme keto we can eat carbohydrates from different fruits and vegetables and so on um but i think it's also 
listening to your body and understanding how you feel when you eat different foods because most people find that as they start to increase protein and you mentioned protein before you you know you are satisfied and therefore when you go to the coffee shop you you are more likely to make different choices because it's like actually I'm not physically hungry. You know, when I'm on a sugar cycle, if you like, and I've not not treating my body with so much respect, I am literally hungry every couple of hours because my body's on this blood sugar roller coaster where it's not really getting that much goodness or nutrition. And it's just constantly telling me I need something. And the thing is, when your body is in that state, you are likely to create crave sugar because it's the quickest form of energy that your body can take in and 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 you know use so um just for the listeners eating something like you know what's certainly in the uk become standard breakfast which is toast or cereal both of those are likely to you know set you off on the blood sugar roller coaster and then by lunchtime well if you make it to lunchtime without eating again because normally within two hours you reach in for the biscuit or something or fruit because you're trying to be healthy but again fruit if it's not paired with a protein or a healthy fat is going to keep you on that blood sugar roller coaster then you're into lunchtime which typically is a sandwich and so on so it's trying to and I think that's the thing we we're surrounded by these messages about you know breakfast the most important meal of the day but that's you know usually cereal or toast so I think in answer to your question shortly is knowledge I think having knowledge and understanding of how your body is working and appreciating that and also the other things that our body needs to thrive so sunlight movement and sleep which again our basic needs but how many people scroll on their phone till two in the morning and don't get enough sleep how many people don't move their body probably because we've got a you know an issue with exercise after using it to burn calories for so many years we hate exercise so much and that's where I tend to use the word movement as opposed to exercise and I'm all about get get rid of that word exercise and just focus on how do you enjoy moving your body but I think again when we go back to the basics of how how it impacts our life and how our body needs those things and when we start to understand how amazing we feel when we have those things in our lives it's it's a game changer and that took me years and years to grasp even when I was uh, you know I and I know this isn't about weight but even when I had changed my my weight my body size I was still in that cycle I was still dieting to keep the weight off and sometimes without even realizing how badly I was doing that and how much I was under eating to overindulge at the weekend um and I think I wasn't empowered with that knowledge of how to treat my body I was only empowered with the knowledge of how to lose weight. Yeah, that's so interesting. I feel like we all, like, I know I personally feel the same way. I'm only empowered with the knowledge to lose weight and the food freedom that you, the message that you're putting out to the world is something that's, that's not very common that we hear in our community at all. So it's nice. It's validating to hear that we could potentially have freedom and, like joy in eating food. Yeah. 
Yeah. And my lady after sorry. No, I was just gonna say my ladies often come back to me and they're like, you know, I don't encourage weighing. I'm all all for like releasing the the whole scale thing, but some of them are still weighing or they'll weigh once at the start of working with me and once after eight, 12 weeks. And they're, they're, they're always like really shocked that they've dropped pounds when they haven't been on a diet. And it's like, but you're in tune with your body. You're eating peacefully. You know, as you say, you're not stressing about what to eat. You're calm. You're getting more nourishment, not just through food but through sunlight through movement so it's like this whole like oh my goodness like how much my life can change without being on a diet is kind of mind-blowing that's so nice to hear um so jenny uh we are typically like shell and i have created this podcast for the australian community however we couldn't pass up the opportunity to talk to you and of course you're in the uk but for all of our listeners where can the life demon community find you okay so um well first of all if they're struggling with their relationship with food they can go and grab all my free resources there's a podcast uh, the power over food podcast and that's on all obvious places spotify apple um i'm most active on instagram at underscore jenny muck jenny mc and um yeah I, and i always say i love hearing from people if they connect with me and they've got a question they're struggling with something feel free to reach out and i do have a book coming out in um <laughs> oh gosh it makes me feel a little bit sick when i say it i only announced the title this week well on friday um but the book the diet industry doesn't want you to read and it is all about healing your relationship with food so that is coming out in um october and do you know what i probably should know but as it's on amazon i'm assuming that it can be brought anywhere that has access to amazon but i will keep you posted on that that is very exciting how excellent oh that's wonderful um, a couple more questions before we go um specifically uh lipedema is a real expensive condition to where you go surgical or whether you just need to do um, conservative management is limited uh, financial support. I'm pretty sure you're in the UK experiencing the same where there's not much support um, for people with lipedema. But do you have any tips for how patients can access treatments or or the things that you've learned for your lifestyle that have been cost effective that have really supported? Sure. Um, that's a real difficult one. In terms of treatment as in um, surgery, um, it's I've seen people do GoFundMe pages and raise money. I've um, seen people max out credit cards and I've also seen people be funded. And I know it seems in the US they seem to be able to get funding through different insurance unfortunately in the UK that's really really difficult um I don't know how that is in Australia but there might be um some way if you again if you get a really good supportive doctor whether they can help put your case forward as 
um you know a, a case to be funded because there was one lady that uh here in the uk she worked with her gp and they were going to put her forward to kind of like the care commission or not quite sure of the right name but and they offered to part fund some surgery for her because uh, she was quite an, an extreme case so that's in terms of surgery in terms of kind of um other management i know there are so many um, YouTube videos and different people to follow. I think it's about looking after your lymphatic system, um, you know, your dry brushing. I know you guys will know this. Um, and just reaching out and following those people that are out there shouting about it because it's amazing. Quite often they're doing deals on different products and they've got free classes, free resources, free podcasts to listen to like this one to help you manage. So I would just say kind of try and find all of that information that you can. The other thing is, again, this is here in the UK, so it might be something that is not, if it's not available in Australia, you can try and kind of advocate and push for, but we um, have compression garments uh, twice a year. So we get two pairs every six months, we can go and get a repeat prescription on, which is quite helpful um, because they are so expensive. Um, yeah. Yeah, I think that's probably my tips. Oh, thank you, Jenny. Yeah, we do have in some states of Australia, we do have compression schemes, not where Tiana and I are. <laughs> but in other states, they do have them, which is amazing for the, for the women living in those states. So we are going to finish off with one of our favourite questions. If you could go back and give your younger self a pep talk, what would you tell her? Oh, wow. Um, I tell her it's not your fault. And you are amazing. And that everything we go through in life is for a reason, even when you can't see that reason. And to sit tight because it will all come good. Yeah, I think sometimes we get lost in um, the struggle and you're not alone. Yeah, we forget who we are. <laughs> yeah, 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 we do. Yeah. yeah. That's and right. When I, think, when I think of my younger self, I went to drama school and costume days and things like that were literally awful because I was always the one that couldn't fit in the trousers they were providing and you know I had to try and quietly take the costume the wardrobe people aside and say look just so you know I'm not a normal shape and when I look back I just think gosh you know it wasn't your fault yeah I think a lot of us have that same thing I remember my mum having to make my costumes or or you know amend costumes for performances and yeah yeah not knowing that it, it wasn't just puppy fat there was something else going on yeah, yeah. and tiana's yeah. a professional dancer so so she's been through it as well so thank you so much for joining us today jenny i'm sure it is some crazy hour of the day in the uk it's it's actually early in the well it's 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 uh mid-morning here so it's lovely oh, okay 
Oh, good. I know it's late for you guys. <laughs> ah. Yes, it is almost our bedtime. I'd love to get you out of bed. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. Thank you for joining us, Jenny. It has really been a pleasure. You, joining us. you are very welcome. Thank you so much, ladies, and keep doing the amazing work and spreading the word. Ah, thank you. We will. Right, bye. Thank bye. you. Thank you for listening to the Lipedema podcast. Lipedema and its symptoms vary from individual to individual. The opinions and advice voiced on this podcast are of a personal nature and used for educational purposes. Please take away from this podcast what resonates with you and please see your GP or preferred specialist for diagnosis and healthcare. We are Shelley and Tiana from the Lipedema podcast. Until our next episode, bye for now.